Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Actually, are two sporting events that occurred, but this is how deep we had to dig to find something interesting in the past week. The Cricket World Cup final and the Wimbledon final were on the same day in London. Now I oh, thought there was wow. going to be basically a meltdown. Sport Mageddon. <laughs> basically, as far as the Brits are concerned, I think that was Sport Mageddon because yeah. England was in the Cricket World Cup final. Way to, you know, be England. They've they've never won before. So, I mean, it's insane that they haven't won before. They had never won before. It's like, it's in, I don't know. It's just all over the newspapers. And I have no idea what any of it means. I imagine it's exactly how other people feel watching baseball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. It's funny, you know, foreigners who come to the United States and they, they'll they say some negative things about baseball. But then if you, if they're, once you're here for a while, um, uh, then they kind of like get used to the idea of a baseball game, and that's why it really is America's national pastimes. Because ba- like the idea of baseball, like totally makes sense. We're gonna yeah. go to a stadium. People are gonna throw a ball. There are gonna be some like events. You're not gonna really have to pay attention. It's like a lot of people from around the globe, I think, go and then like, oh, cool. Well, I like this baseball game thing. So you also brought up this uh, movie that's getting. A lot of press in the UK. Out out of absolutely nowhere, Benedict Cumberbatch is headlining what I can only assume, because I haven't looked it up, it appears to be a movie about the battle between Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla. I can only assume. But it's actually more about Edison versus Westinghouse. Oh, it is? Oh, you looked it uh-huh. up? I did, because I was like, what? what is this? And then I realized that I did see this preview like six months ago. It's like, oh, that might be an interesting movie. Haven't heard anything since. It comes out in 10 days or something. (laughs) So, wait, can you see this movie? Is it coming out in the U.S.? I'm sure it is, yeah. Yeah, it is. But at the same time, I mean, isn't this like how James Bonds are, like, released a week early or something in Britain? I I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, they're doing, they're all doing American accents. Well, except for Tesla, I guess. 20, uh, UK cinemas. Ooh, film fans in the U.S. will have to wait until... October See, 4th. that's what I thought. I thought that, there was going to be something like that. that. Explains. That's funny. That's why you haven't seen the advertising push yet, because right. we're only hasn't, hasn't I'm only come. two weeks out. And anyway, anyway, all that aside, it's a light pop culture week, so we may as well talk about some baseball. This week on the pod, we are going to do some project validation and look back at our projections and look and see how they did it on an ensemble average sense in the first half. And then in the second half, we'll dive into a few case studies and try and figure out how we can improve these models going forward. So here we go. All right, Eric, we undertook our, what I would classify as our biggest project yet coming into this year, which was we actually tried to make 
predictions for season stats. I vowed to mostly draft my TGFBI team according to whatever came out of these predictions, and I think I think the referendum is in, which is that I'm in the 60th percentile basically all the time in TGFBI. So that feels like a form of validation. <laughs> That's how I've been a little bit. I get. I I see. I our see where you're going with that. I mean, that is to say, like our projections don't have me in dead last. <laughs> right. Well, you also did call a couple audibles there, but, but I yeah, called audibles no, exactly. all influenced by our projections. You know, it wasn't like I never looked at our projections and just went for it. I feel like that Kershaw, the Kershaw being like starting within the first 30 days of the season having a start within the first 30 days of the season was like the biggest like win absolutely absolutely no i count the biggest win for my projections as mike minor but he doesn't even come up because because we actually were on in our projections for mike minor so he doesn't come up in any of our outlier studies so anyway Right, that's good. That's uh, I'll refer you back to the series at the very beginning, basically leading into uh, podcast 3.00 through podcast 3.04 uh, in terms of how we made up the predictions. But briefly, the main engine was Eric's clustering technique and an outgrowth of that. Right, yeah, you <laughs> you took it and you ran yeah, with Yeah, but it. you, I didn't actually, I never actually ran the clustering. I only took the output from you that's that's sort of wild and then you took that and you i i think we can say it went right yeah this is this is a good review about how it actually works and how our projects should really work which is that we have interoperable parts the thing that allows us to rigorously look at how our projections are doing is that our large innovation was to include error estimates on the stats so this gives us an opportunity to actually check our uncertainties and rather than doing some sort of absolute deviation on an individual player basis, we can look at the ensemble average and see how our how reasonable our estimates were. Right, because we care in the the whole premise of this was that we could use clustering to inform our decision making process and that would reduce the um lift of doing an effort like this and that would help us inform so we're more in some ways we're more interested to know if you know player xyz all in the same cluster if they all fit within the distribution and if player x and z and y and x were you know switched if that where they were switched i mean then we feel like we got it right you know as long as together they fit the um the estimation that's actually that's a really good way to think about it and that's actually more levels than i thought about it when i made that statement right but that's the whole it's but it's sort of what my thinking always is of like we had that um that bet box of like you know one of the top 10 players is going to be out for the rest of the season by this date and i missed it by one day You know, that's that's the kind of thinking that we're trying to get to. We want to know, like, if we draft one of the top 10 pitchers, we have a 10% chance that he will miss the, like, 90% of the season. Right. Uh, Real quick on the method here, since our projections applied on a per plate appearance or per innings pitch basis, we evaluate them in the same way. That is, I scaled up every 
batter or pitcher to their on-pace numbers and compared everything at the end of the season. We can go into the nitty-gritty, but this assumption, I was able to basically show that this assumption is valid, uh, especially for the everyday players. Everyday players are pretty much right on track to get what you think, what we thought their PAs would be in the same street range. Their PAs, right. Yeah. Right, and that's that's key. That's key yeah. that we were able to kind of use as <laughs> we stole them. I know. We stole them, we stole them, and we took the average of them, and it uh, turns out it worked. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Uh, so let's get to the meat of this, which is that I computed... For each player, I went through and computed the number of standard deviations we were off for each player in each statistic. So if our estimate at the beginning of the year was 20 home runs plus minus 5, and then their end of the year, their current on pace is that they're going to have 25 home runs, then that's plus 1 sigma. Okay. And so I tallied up all of these sigmas and looked at what our distribution looked like. And ideally, what you should see is that our our distribution is centered on zero. So most of the guys we were on or, or close to, and then it falls off as a Gaussian so that two thirds of the guys are within one sigma and then 90% are within two sigma, 95 within three sigma standard Gaussian statistics. So I figured out all the sigmas and then I fit a Gaussian to that and asked, well, how far off are we actually and then I plotted all of these. Um, on the hitting side, the only one that I would say that I actually botched, and I predicted this at the time, was <laughs> I was so conservative in average that we're, we're basically dead on, for, dead on quotes for everyone on average, because we the errors are so large. <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean I predict right, the errors you know, were like the, huge. The top guys who I will say if you look at the like we're we're doing really well on the mean like Jeff McNeil, yeah, Jeff McNeil has the highest average in baseball right now. We predicted him for the highest average in baseball. But we baked in 50 points of uncertainty in his average. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not a useful <laughs> prediction. Like I was looking at those again today and like what was I even doing? Like, why did I let this happen? <laughs> we just, no, I remember we kept on talking about that and it just like kept on, the air bar kept on getting bigger and bigger <laughs> I know, and bigger. I know. On the pitching side, um, we actually did better on the pitching side. Our pitching predictions are more on than our hitting, than our hitting predictions, um, which is really interesting because remember we agonized over wins and saves. We did but this is looking at it in aggregate of course yes we're gonna be we're gonna be better at wins and saves looking at it on a per player basis that i so that is a fair point but my i think my point would just my takeaway would just be that our strategy of assigning wins and saves is just as valid as any other wins and saves okay. strategy so i'm fine the way that we chose to assign saves to named closers or prospective closers is really accurate <laughs> like that's really accurate yeah so what was um what was the average error bar five plus minus five on saves on oh, on saves what was it on wins the wins have a huge error bar, which also gave us a lot of leeway. Mm -hmm. um, the mean, yeah, the mean is about five, but we didn't predict anyone for getting more than 14 wins. 
So I think wins feels like a place where the um, the symmetric we need to get that error bar down. Well, I think we what I was going to say is that I think the symmetric error bar assumption is wrong because like so I'm looking at Justin Verlander. We had 14 plus minus nine. Like like yes, <laughs> we want we want to be able to capture some fractional likelihood that Justin Verlander gets 23 wins, and I want that to be in there, but. The likelihood that Justin Verlander gets five wins, like, that's not going to happen unless, like, it's just totally invalid. Like, you really want Justin Verlander's range to be, like, 12 to 21 wins. But the most probable... And we say that we think it's 14. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Can we make an asymmetric... Yeah, no, we can. I mean, we just have to put a, like a the next moment of the Gaussian in there, like the skewness in there. So... Okay. We can do yeah. it. We just have to report it. And then basically we you're stuck doing that out. Yeah. We're basically doing confidence intervals, which is fine. We just weren't ready for that step this year. But looking at this number, looking at this distribution, we clearly need it. Let me just say one more thing, meta level before we turn to specific players. <laughs> if you look at our projection page, which is still live, it's still frozen with our initial season projections, so you know you can hold us to this however you want. If you look at this, the numbers are good, and we basically just talked through how we validated that the numbers are good, but the order is terrible. So the ordering on well, we noticed that like within a couple of days. That's right. Yeah. So the way the order in which we told people to draft guys is bad, and so. <laughs> That needs to be. I mean, it's it's not okay. It's not. I shouldn't say it's bad, but it's you wouldn't really want to draft from it purely. And so, how do we come up with a better metric to evaluate individual players or the order relative, the value of individual mm-hmm. players? That's something that I need to work on at some point. <laughs> yeah, we need. We need to. Yeah. I can't let you just go off on your own with this. This is this is definitely something. Well, that we need someone to say, keep it simple, stupid. Well, well, the, well, I, well, I thought I did something pretty simple, but it did not. It, <laughs> it, it, it didn't. It didn't. No, it was well. It was it was pretty simple, right? Just ranked them. Yeah, it Rank was order. just it was just roto style rankings, and I thought it was going to work, and. Uh, it did not. It did not. Sometimes in the course of recording the pod, there's a cut so obvious that we even acknowledge it while we're recording. Here's an outtake. Come on, man. Why do you have to make it so difficult on me today? I thought that was a good. <laughs> that was going to be a good cut point, so you didn't have to <laughs> work too hard at it. Let's do some case studies. Uh, we talked about ensemble averages, but it's also really easy to look at players that we simply missed the mark on and try and retrain our model. And my stance here is that we really didn't predict any breakout seasons, so any breakout season is inherently going to have some um, show some signal in this. 
Uh, but let's let's present some of the guys who are big outliers. I made some big lists here, and so you can feel free to pick any that you want to look at. On the hitting side, I looked at the guys that are 15 sigma off in total. That is sigma well because I wow. summed because I summed yeah, up them. So it. basically, they're three sigma off in each exactly. category, on average. Um, so you have here Travis Shaw, Scooter Jeanette, Robinson Cano, Kendris Morales, Zach Cozart, uh, Carlos Gonzalez, Miguel Andahar, Jordy Mercer, Daniel Polka. Okay, and I feel like. I would just ignore Travis Shaw from this list because that is, you can't predict that. How how can you, like, to be able to predict that is, like, past scouting. That's, like, in the, like, you need to have a buddy who knows that he's going to just, he's having a really hard year and isn't going to be able to do it, you know? Sure. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I accept that. I I think I mean I'm just trying to be honest about like here are the guys that we over predicted and if you drafted if you drafted sure. all the no, guys no I know absolutely no I, I'm dead. just trying to I'm in my head trying to categorize these sure no that's that's really what we want because we want to know is there a through line that connects all of these players that we can calibrate for and I don't think there is but I would say Scooter, Cozart, Cano, Morales, and Gonzalez in that order I feel like we. Sh- we should have had as like these are guys that are not going to do as well as their recent um as their recent success uh success would yeah suggest. and for two of those for like morales and cano you could ba- and gonzalez frankly you could bake in some age uncertainty like maybe our age uncertainty model wasn't quite right but Jeanette, i mean everyone was so high on him going into the season I know, but I everybody wasn't last year. So like maybe and the same thing goes for Zach Cozart in a way. And the, I mean Carlos Gonzalez was someone. Maybe we need to look at the predictions from the year before. You know, we did talk about this at one point. This was an Eric Carabell thing they talked about on the podcast, and then we did it and showed which is Eric Carabell's like, "Well, I want to look at when I'm drafting players, I want to look at who was um, projected really high last year who has fallen off the face of the earth uh, in his projections this year. And he's like, and I want to, I want to get some of those guys. And we did it. We did a look at this in season two preseason and it actually showed there's actually something there. And I think that we should do the opposite perhaps in um, who are players that, who were the players that were projected to do poorly who overproduced last year who um, are now being projected to do well and are candidates to regress? All right. Let's, you know, that was plenty negative. Let's be positive and talk about the guys that we missed low on. And there is a through line here. And you called me out on it, which was my young player predictions were terrible. Yep. It's, it, I mean, it was pretty clear when we first did it. It was like a lot of them were off. So we're gonna we're gonna have to solve the young player conundrum. I mean, Acuna's on here. Devers, Glaber Torres is on here. Fran Mil Reyes is on here. I mean, the list the list goes on for guys that we should have done better that didn't have long track records. I mean, Jeff McNeil is on here. <sighs> you are, buddy, Jeff McNeil. Um... <laughs> Jeff McNeil fan pod. Ramil Tapia. Is on here. Tapia. 
uh yeah so what is it that do you think that means these are all under predictions right these are the under predictions yeah Uh, i mean some of them like we just did bad breaking predicting breakout seasons like cody bellinger byron buxton jesse winker i mean guys that had breakout season max muncie relative for themselves yeah, we didn't max muncie we we talked about him at length we don't know you know that's that's one that we needed to have bigger error bars and be more these yeah. are ones that we want to have bigger error bars but want to have want to have aggressive numbers for a lot of these well maybe i mean maybe this is again mm-hmm. talking about some of the asymmetric error bars for mm-hmm. young guys maybe we need to have, because it's not that we missed on every single young guy there are plenty of young guys that aren't <laughs> that aren't meeting yeah these like high ceiling expectations uh again pitchers were a bit tighter um and i didn't use wins or saves because they're bad on a per player mm-hmm. basis huge over representation for some of the relievers because remember one of the reasons that we did the predictions was because we also wanted to predict the relievers because yeah. we were interested for our strategies about having the relievers but those guys are poaching wins and saves and then you know we had like 350 sigma <laughs> outliers <laughs> like well that's that's not helpful for us no um, no not evaluation <laughs> Under predictions, these are guys that are underperforming where we thought they were going to. It's kind of what you expect. You know, it's the it's the top tier guys like Gary no, Cole, We are predictions Mike under. Clevenger. We under predicted what these guys are doing right now. That's right. That's right. These are the guys that are doing better. The two hot on ones are interesting also. But uh, so like Garrett Cole, Mike Clevenger, Lucas Giolito, Tyler Glasnow, Shane Green, Shane Bieber. I mean, these are guys that Frankie Montas, RIP. <laughs> dead to us on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, he's dead to us. Uh, Liam Hendricks. I mean, these are all guys that we've talked about a lot of these guys mm-hmm. on the pod so far this year. Right. And you, I mean, I think that under prediction is, is fine. We just have it's figuring out when that under prediction is under prediction and isn't just isn't going to end up being accurate. All these guys could, end up, <laughs> I mean, much more so, I feel like, than the hitters. All these pitchers could just have a bad month and then had two bad yep. months and then could be right, right back to where we said they were going to be. Well, we should be care. I mean, I should be careful in terms of regressing these guys because the hitters we've had 90 games to see them but all these pitchers we've only seen them in right exactly. 18 games 19 much games. smaller sample yeah absolutely yeah uh but that said what do you think about these guys that we were too hot on can any of these guys write the ship Corey kluber i'm gonna skip craig kimbrell because he wasn't on a team for a long time just got on one yeah david robertson alex reyes dan straley sorry dan <laughs> tyler anderson alex cobb Irvin santana Edwin Jackson, Stephen Wright, Trevor Rosenthal. I mean, maybe I should have just regressed all Edwin these guys. Jackson. Like, I'm not excited about any of these guys on this list. Except for Corey Kluber. He's the only one that's in here that, um, going into the that going into the season, I would have wanted on my team. Well, I you know I think that this is pretty good. I'm interested to see where it is at the end of the season. And yes, we do have to put together a Sloan paper. All right. Get chopping on that abstract, buddy. Thanks. 
I think that about brings us to the review session. Christian Yelich. Yelich. Yelich? Just Yelich. Just Yelich. an amazing season. He's doing well. He's doing darn well. This is this is better than I could have dreamed slash hoped for. He, let's here are his on pace numbers: 115 runs, 54 home runs, 115 RBI, 37 stolen bases, a 3.32 average. He obviously can't keep up those pace numbers, and I'm games. I'm willing to admit that. Okay, so you say that he can't keep that up. No. Why not? Um, I think I think he has gotten lucky to some extent on the home runs, and I think there is a first season, second, first half, second half de- like debate with him. In the past, he's he's also not the most durable player, so I could it it kind of depends on what the Brewers do headed into a playoff run. Right. Are they? Yeah. Could they get to the point? There, I think that they're going to be down the wire though on on this, which is going to be. So great. they're going to have to play him. Yeah. So they're going to have I, to play him. And you know what? Part of the reason why he wasn't the most um, didn't have the most stellar health numbers was because he was always like a scrawny dude. Yeah. A year and a half in in uh, in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Upper Midwest. <laughs> He's looking a little thicker. <laughs> he, he is. He is. There's some. There's some meat on those bones. I mean, you know, he's he's aging into his body now. Meat, he's, cheese curds. There's some cheese curds on that body. Yeah, he's he's figuring out. You know, plenty of beer in Milwaukee. He's <laughs> as long as he can still run. I mean, which um which number is going to be further off? Do you think the final the whole season home runs or whole season stolen bases? Oh, home runs. I, th- I think you're right. I, he's not going to get to 54 home runs. Yeah, but he's already at 32. I mean, a fifth, okay, so he's not going to get to 54. Does he get to... I mean, how does he not get to 45? And right? you think that his stolen bases... I, can, I feel that his stolen bases are going to stay pretty close to on pace. Like, I think his stolen base pace is fine. Right, but that's what I'm. Then we're agreeing. What are you saying? I think that his. I'm in agreement. I don't think that that 54 home runs. If we look up, okay, at the end of the season, I think high high 40s is like the ceiling for him. He's not going to get to 50. Did you but, watch? Did you watch a game where he hit a home run? No, I watched a game where he got a stolen base. Oh. <laughs> well, that's, Maybe, that's important. Do you feel like that could have colored my my thoughts on him? Perhaps. Maybe. I mean, I saw the one I saw. I watched Sunday's game where he hit just a laser over the fence. Like, to the point where the announcers were like, was that a home run? And the answer was yes, because it, it collided with the wall in center field Milwaukee and bounced back so yeah. quickly. Yeah, the, I watched I watched the game yesterday, and that was what happened on Freddie uh-huh. Freeman's home run. It, like, hit. Yes. And then it was, like, all, it was like on the field instantly because he hit the scoreboard and went straight okay, down. Well. I have to come clean and say that I like Christian Yelich so much that I also watched yesterday's. <laughs> you watched multiple Which, games. Well, come on. I mean, also, it was fun to see the Braves. It was. That was a good, uh, that was a pretty good game. I had been curious about Max Freed, and yep. it was great to watch Arcia. I still, I feel really good about Arcia. I've owned him for a while as, you as a do minor feel league. You Arcia, don't you? One of these days, he's going to do the Francisco Lindor of just be like, no, I'll figure out how to do offense, too. <laughs> that 
is kind of a lot of confidence, but I will give it to you. All right, so you okay? So I'm saying there has to be a a bet here. Um, I say at the end of the season he's going to be closer in stolen bases than he is. His total stolen bases will be closer to his on pace right now, which is 37, yeah. and his home runs, which is 54. I'll take the opposition just because I really hope that he can hit those home runs. And, you know, the home run, my only argument against the home runs is just like, I just don't feel like he can do that. But, you know, that right. said, there's there's not a lot to say that he uh, that he won't do that. So I'll take that. One of the big things for me is, like, I think it's going to be, like, yeah, I really see it, like, being, like, 40, 44 and 34, you know? Yeah. Okay. I We'll see. We'll see what the Brewers decide to do to, to get it done, I think. As they as they head into the stretch here, I mean they're clearly going to be asking for a lot from Yelich. <laughs> they're going to be yeah. The, t- the team doesn't isn't quite as good this this year as it was last year. But well, I think it's they're still, smart. They've got some. They've got some good stuff. Fielding wise, they're smart to hide him in right field. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the note. That is the one note that I had from the game. Is like. Huh. Didn't really see a lot of him nope, over there. Did not see. We saw, saw Braun misplay a couple balls. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how they put game. the area the errors on other players. It's like, <laughs> wow, it's hometown. It's such home. Ryan Braun can do no wrong. <laughs> I don't, was, we don't know. He's just high testosterone. Uh, this prediction thing that we did this week made me realize who I want to do next week. Oh, good. Who is it? Jesse Winker. Aha, that's a good one. Oh, I'm excited. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!